Hey, what's happening, everybody? I am your host, Armand Lee, and thank you so much for listening to this brand new episode of The Quarterly Report. We got a really fun show this week. We've all heard about Cleveland, Boston, the Wizards, even the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference. But why is it that we always overlook the Toronto Raptors? And is this finally the year that they make us look stupid for doing so? I'll break that down in a second. Plus, This Is Us is a huge phenomenon. It's a hit television show, and it's got everyone talking about it, including myself. I'll tell you why I'm not even going to come close to watching that show anymore, and a special guest will join me to tell me why I need to reconsider. All that and so much more. But first, our number one story this week. First quarter. It's becoming quite the tradition. You know, we all switch over the calendars. We all await whether or not the groundhog tells us if we have an extended winter or not. And we all start to question whether the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James will finally fall in the Eastern Conference, right? Whether or not LeBron James's vice grip of the Eastern Conference will finally be relinquished. And just like the last three years, it seems that this year we all who have questioned LeBron and the Cavs have a huge pie of crow awaiting us. Because, I mean, this year, and and last season I didn't buy into Cleveland not making it out of the East. I thought last year that they were coasting. I didn't think Boston had anything for Cleveland, and I definitely didn't think Toronto or the Wizards had anything for them. That was last year. But two years ago I was like, okay, this Atlanta Hawks team, they're like the Spurs East. I will admit I got caught up in the hype. And then LeBron proceeded to sweep them out the playoffs. But this year, I'm not going to lie. This year, I was like, yo, Cleveland, they are struggling. Cleveland may not even have home court in the first round or, you know, in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. And with, you know, a handful of what seemed to be minor moves in one game on national television, and I fully admit we as a sports public tend to do this. We overreact to national televised games. But my goodness, it's hard not to look at what Cleveland did to Boston on Sunday and be like, man, they're still playing varsity basketball and the rest of the Eastern Conference is still playing JV. I mean, and they weren't even playing with Kevin Love. Slim, I, we probably need to retire the whole LeBron, is this the, the end for LeBron in terms of making it to the NBA finals, at least as long as he's in the Eastern conference, because this happens every year. We do it every year. And every year, the people who question LeBron are made to look like fools. And it's not like LeBron and the Cavs traded for, you know, Joel Embiid or Giannis or, you know, Deandre Jordan, even they got role players. And other than Larry Nance, all of the role players haven't really been playing well this season. Again, I'm going by, you know, my advanced metrics. I'm a wins produced per 48 guy. You can look at the points per game, and yeah, Rodney Hood is shooting and all this other stuff. But from an efficiency and effective standpoint, other than Larry Nance Jr., none of these guys have played well. And yet, all these marginal moves, they, I mean, they blew out. Boston on Paul Pierce's night, nonetheless. 
And now you look at them and you're like, yo, that's it. That's really all they needed. And you start to evaluate their competition as it pertains to the Eastern Conference. And you're like, man, who who's really checking for these dudes? Do you believe in Boston after that? And mind you, it's not just that game with the Celtics. The Celtics have been stuck in a, a real a real rough stretch of basketball. And then when you couple all of that with the fact that Boston has so many of their wins come from or stem from like double digit deficits, like huge comebacks. Like you're not going to always, you can't rely on coming back from 25 points every night, especially when it gets in the playoff series. And they're still relying heavily on young players. You know, my guest last week, Monica, McNutt, she made the point. It was like, yo, Boston relies on guys who haven't done it before. Not only have they not done it, they've never experienced it before. I think we all understand Jason Tatum is a really good basketball player, but he has run head first into the rookie wall. You know? So there are questions when it comes to the Celtics. The Wizards. I don't talk about Jekyll and Hyde. Who knows what the Wizards are? I think the Wizards have an amazing opportunity to really shake things up in the playoffs. That is, if unless they run into LeBron. You know what I mean? Milwaukee, we all know how great Giannis is. But do we think that team, that team hasn't won a series yet? You know, they have an interim head coach. They've got a lot of question marks. They could be really dangerous, but does anyone foresee them Representing the Eastern Conference in the finals? Because I sure as hell don't. Philadelphia Philadelphia may be the second most dangerous team in the entire East. But we don't know what they're going to be because they're playing like a bunch of guys. Their best player. Who knows? You know, the playoffs are weird. They're scheduled very weird. Sometimes teams do play back-to-backs or flying travels. Like We don't know what Embiid is going to do for Philadelphia once the playoffs start. And Ben Simmons... I love him. The guy can't shoot. Who knows what happens when he gets a series and the team adjusts solely on his game. We don't know what to expect from Philadelphia. And they may be the mo- the second most dangerous team in the East. The Eastern Conference, man. You know, if you if you go to my Instagram account, that's at Quarterly Report, I've got the Wire NBA mix. And I say, you know, LeBron James is Avon Barksdale, man. And the NBA is West Baltimore. That thing is LeBron's until until he says so. The Eastern Conference belongs to LeBron until LeBron decides to go play for Houston. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's the reality of the situation. And it's amazing how quickly we've gone from point A to point Z when it comes to the Cavaliers and LeBron James of 2018. And I got to admit... I'm at fault just as much as anyone else. Again, a few weeks ago, I would have told you, man, I'm not certain that Cleveland even gets to the conference championship game the way they were playing. And now I'm already ready to anoint them the kings of the East, right? And that's how we, I, even though I know how foolish it is, I fall victim. I have felt victim to it. Because it's amazing how quick we go from point A to point Z when it comes to LeBron, right? There are people I respect in the sports world. I was watching Highly Questionable early this week, and it was Dan Levitard and Sarah Spain 
on and they're talking about how they've never seen a, a great player quit or like kind of just pout the way LeBron had apparently done earlier this season. And I'm thinking to myself, really? Because I can think of great players doing that all the time. Randy Moss literally said, I play when I want to. <laughs> and many people, Dan Levitard included, and I'm a fan. Again, I only name guys, name guys and gals who I'm a fan of, right? Levitard has gone on the record saying that Randy Moss is the greatest wide receiver he's ever seen in his life. We're going to act like Randy Moss didn't say I play when I want to and ignore the entire Oakland Raiders part of his career. Kobe Bryant quit in a game seven of the playoffs <laughs> against the Suns. He just stopped shooting. Michael Jordan literally quit the second time. They didn't, they didn't re-sign Phil Jackson. And he was like, all right, bet, I'm done. Only to come back a handful of years later to play with the Wizards. You understand what I'm saying? Like, we've seen great players. In fact, most great players, I would say, to some extent, pout. And look, y'all know I'm a LeBron James fan. LeBron's my favorite player of all time. But if there's one thing I can't stand about him is the fact that he's so passive aggressive and he pouts all the time. And he whines and he complains. That is annoying. I'll grant you that. But we've gone from talking about how LeBron James is the only great player to quit to then saying, hey, man, the Easter Conference is his. And we come to that conclusion because of Rodney Hood and Jordan Clarkson. Think about how ridiculous this is. You know what I'm saying? And again, I fell for it. Banana in the tailpipe, man. Shout out to Eddie Murphy. It's crazy how this works every year. Every year, smart people, people that I respect, people that I look up to, you know, will tell you, oh, man, I don't think LeBron can do it this year. Oh, LeBron, it looks like he's pouting. He's ready to quit. The team in Cleveland, they follow LeBron's lead and everything is going bad in Cleveland. It's because of LeBron and this, that, and the third. And one series of events, right? I can't say it was one move because they traded half their team. But they traded for Rodney Hood, George Hill, Larry Nance Jr., and Jordan Clarkson. Right? Zero all-star appearances between the four of them, I believe. Maybe George Hill got in there once. I don't think so, but maybe. And like no stars, no superstars, none of that. But you see guys who want to play. You see guys who are hungry. You see guys who can hit open shots, and you see guys who are athletic and young, and all of a sudden, everyone with eyes, anyone who can analyze basketball is like, yo, they're better than everybody in the half of the league. Like, they're better than every other team in the East by a significant margin. And we do this every year. We question, I'm done. Mark it down, baby. Quarterly Report, episode 44. I am done questioning LeBron James as long as he's in the East, okay? If he was playing out West, yeah, that uh, that finals appearance streak would definitely be questioned, right, and analyzed and probably doubted to extent. But as long as he's playing in the East, nah, don't talk to me about the Wizards. Don't talk to me about the Celtics. Don't talk to me about the Heat or the Bucks. But check this transition out. It's time to maybe, maybe start talking about the Toronto Raptors. 
That's my second topic. This second quarter. Full disclosure. I love the city of Toronto. It's probably my favorite city in the entire world that I've been to. Man, I, I love everything about it. I love the temperature. Like the cold weather doesn't bother me. You know what I mean? I love the space. It's a spacious big city. You know what I mean? I love the fact that it's it's different enough, right, from an American city that you can you can appreciate its uniqueness, right? Uh, you can appreciate how exotic, if you want to say, it the city is. But it's so, it's still similar enough that you know the I don't know the benefits of growing up in an American society, right? You can still it's it's not that that different, right? It's it's different enough that you know you're not in America, but it's not completely different that it's like, yo, what about this? Like I can watch an NBA game in the same time zone. You know what I'm saying? I can go out like it's so similar, but you can still identify its unique quality. If if that makes sense, right? I love everything about Toronto. Carabana, everything. Man, everything. You feel me? So, I'm coming at the Toronto Raptors not as a critic and not as someone who's a Raptor fan. I mean, they play in the same division as my favorite team, but the Knicks have been so awful. I don't even know if the Knicks have ever even had a competitive moment with the Raptors. You know what I mean? But I just finished talking about how the Eastern Conference is LeBron's to lose. And we've known this now for almost a decade. Almost a, a, a 10. Actually, when you think about it, he's only been to he's been to the consecutive final streak for close to a decade. But even before, like even when he was in Cleveland the first time, you know, and, and obviously they had the Celtics in the big three. LeBron was still a very dominant force. So to say it's just been close to a decade is kind of disingenuous. He's been a the dominant force in the Eastern Conference for more than that. Um, but, you know, we get caught up. We, we'll talk ourselves into the Washington Wizards. And I've talked about the Wizards for like the last month because they've been so fascinating. But there are people in this area and even nationally who when Cleveland was going through their lows, we're talking about, yo, if the Wizards could ever figure it out, they're a team that could compete. For the Eastern Conference berth. We all know about Boston. Last year, people convinced themselves that the Celtics could win the East. And this year, people were talking about Boston being the team to finally, you know, overthrow LeBron. And then you've heard teams like Milwaukee because of Giannis, obviously, one of the best 10 players in the league. But we always overlook Toronto. Toronto, as it stands right now, will go into the All-Star break with the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Toronto, as it stands right now, will send two All-Stars for I don't know how many years consecutively now to the All-Star game. Toronto is perennially like 50-win team. They've got one of the best general managers in the league. They've got cap flexibility. They play in a large market. They've got a great fan base. And for whatever reason, we always overlook the Raptors. And again, make no mistake, I'm done counting out LeBron as it pertains to the Eastern Conference. But if there was a team that I'd be like, you know what? This team represents the best chance to do so. It'd be Toronto. But 
I I even I give myself pause to even say that on this platform because of Toronto's failures in the playoffs in years past. But think about this. Even considering Toronto's failures, Toronto isn't unlike the Celtics. The Celtics have had failures in the playoffs. The Wizards, maybe not in the first round, the Wizards haven't had failures, but the Wizards, they missed the playoffs two years ago. Milwaukee hasn't gotten out the first round. Milwaukee lost to Toronto in the first round last year. And it's important to point this out. Toronto, and yes, we know about their struggles. We know about their playoff history. But of all the teams in the Eastern Conference, Toronto, they've done something that none of them done have done except Cleveland. Toronto took the Cavaliers to six games in the Eastern Conference Championship. The Wizards, I'm 35 years old. The Wizards haven't made the conference finals since I've been alive. The Celtics last year made it to the conference finals and were lucky to win one game. That 60-win Atlanta Hawk team, they got swept. Like, go through the East. Like, yes, we know Toronto has their struggles, but they've done something that no other team has done during this LeBron James Cleveland era. And they took the team that eventually won the championship. Think about this. The Golden State Warriors lost to Cleveland in seven games that year. That same playoff, that same playoff run, Toronto lost to Cleveland in six games. And yet we always, right, we always link the Raptors to playoff failures. But the Raptors haven't done anything that any other team in the East hasn't done. All these teams in the East, outside of whatever team LeBron plays for, has playoff failures. But we don't let ourselves believe in the Raptors. And I'm curious. And maybe I'm biased because I love the city, but I don't think so. Maybe I'm biased because I have a large appreciation for Masai Ujiri. But I don't think that's it either. I'm just genuinely curious. Why is it that no one ever buys into the Raptors? Because, again, it can't just be playoff failures because the Celtics had a playoff failure. The Celtics would have lost in the first round as a one seed to the Chicago Bulls had Rajon Rondo not got hurt last year. Okay? The Washington Wizards... And I love, you know, I I watch the Wizards more than I watch any other team, including my Knicks. But the Wizards lost to the Boston Celtics last year because of Kelly Olenek. The Wizards have playoff failure after playoff failure after playoff failure, just like the Celtics, just like the Milwaukee Bucks, and just like the Toronto Raptors. But the only team that we hold that against as it pertains to could this team finally you know, knock off LeBron, the only team that we just instantly toss aside are the Toronto Raptors, and I'm wondering why. Especially considering that they've got the... Personally, I think Masai is a better GM than Danny Ainge, but, you know, that's a much closer race. I think that's almost a coin flip at this point. Um, I've talked to you about Danny Ainge. I was wrong about him last year, but at the same time, you know, had Kevin McHale not traded him, Kevin Garnett, for Al Jefferson and chump change, <laughs> we how do we even view Danny Ainge? Does Danny Ainge even have a job if not for getting Kevin Garnett? Okay, Masai has changed two teams. He turned around Denver, left, and then turned around Toronto. But not only do they have one, of the, in my opinion, one of the best general managers. 
they got great young talent. They've got an all-star players. They got a very good front court. I mean, they've got all these pieces and cap flexibility. So I'm just like, why, why do we just automatically dismiss the Raptors? Is it because they play in Canada? And we just kind of like, hey, man, that's the one team that plays up north. Now, that's cute. You know what I mean? Like, each, each year in the playoffs, they got their little Jurassic Park, and it's cute to see those seven games at least in the playoffs, but we don't really pay them much mind. They're not really on national television like that. I, I don't know. I'm curious because, again, they've got two All-Stars, and they've had two All-Stars for several years now. They've got really nice young players. They play in a large market, and they got one of the best front offices in the basketball, but we don't ever pay them attention. And I, I again, don't miss, don't miss, you know, don't mishear me. Don't, don't, don't turn my words against me. I definitely believe that the Cavaliers will go to the Eastern Conference, or I'm sorry, go to the NBA Finals this year and represent the Eastern Conference again. But I've heard so many other quote unquote experts talk up all of these other teams. And never mention the Raptors. And I'm just like, yo, Toronto, Toronto is as good as any team in the East that LeBron does not play for. And I say all of that fully expecting the Raptors to do something crazy in the playoffs and not meet their full potential. Hopefully you guys are enjoying this show and think that I'm reaching the show's full potential. It's halftime. You guys heard the horn. Before we get to halftime, make sure you follow the show on Twitter. We're at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. You can email us. I love your questions. I love your thoughts, opinions, whatever the case may be on sports, entertainment, music, you name it. Email the show at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. And, of course, please, please go over to iTunes if you like the show. Tell your friends, tell your family members, and tell them to go to iTunes as well. Search for the show. Again, it's the Quarterly Report. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Report. You'll see it. Click on the link. Subscribe to the show. And please leave some five-star reviews as well, man. Get the word out, man. The, the numbers are starting to grow again. I really appreciate each and every one of you guys listening. But let's, let's get a, an even bigger growth spurt to start 2018. All right, guys, so halftime is up, and if you're like me, you are extremely excited for the release of the Black Panther film that comes out this weekend. Many of you guys have already seen it. Some of you guys will probably see it tonight. Again, this podcast comes out each and every Thursday, so I'm expecting you guys to maybe see it on Thursday evening after you listen to this show, hopefully, or this weekend. And I'm very excited for the, the movie. Um... I like the Marvel movies, so, you know, I enjoy going to, to see them. And I am extremely excited for this movie for obvious reasons. And I have, to a point, got caught up in the hype. Like, you know, many people have. But I got to say, man, some of y'all are taking this Black Panther madness to a whole new level. And much like Teddy Riley and Guy, I'm just here to tell you guys, just chill. Check it out. Hey, what's up, man? What's going on, bro? Getting ready for this Black Panther movie. I'm super excited, fam. Yeah, me too. When you gonna see it? When? More like how many times 
Man, I'm seeing that joint four times tonight. Another six tomorrow and ten times this weekend, bro. I'm not playing. Uh, um, wait. Ain't your mama's birthday this weekend? Fuck. Oh, well, she'll be all right. I've spent the last 30 plus birthdays with her. This Black Panther film is important, Joe. Priorities. Hey, what's going on, baby? I like that Wakanda Forever hoodie. Yeah, brother. Black Panther has really opened my eyes to our history. Yeah, representation and seeing so many great and beautiful actors and actresses who look like us. Man, that joint's really powerful. Nah, nah, but more than that, they never tell you about Wakanda in schools, bro. Huh? Wait, what? Yeah. Matter of fact, I tried to do more research on the country to see if any of my ancestors were from there, you know, King? But get this. There's no books on it. What are they trying to hide, man? Uh, <laughs> I don't really know how to say this, but um, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Yo, that movie was so amazing. Yeah, it's about time we had a superhero, bro. Well, you know, I feel, I feel what you're saying, but you know, we've had a few. Like what? I mean, I'm saying there was Spawn, Meteor Man, Blade, and of course, the classic, one of my favorite films, Blank Man, baby. Blank Man. Yo, f Blank Man. What? Hey, matter of fact, hey, my man, let's uh, let's take this shortcut through this uh, this uh, alley right here. Don't you ever disrespect Blank Man. That was a classic, mother f Shout out to J5. I want to make something perfectly clear. I am excited as much as everyone listening to this podcast right now for Black Panther's release. I'm going to see it with my family. You understand? I'm excited. You know, I'm a fan of the Marvel comic universe anyway. But, you know, this movie, I'm, I'm, I don't want to make it seem like I'm hating on Black Panther. But Slim, we just got to chill out, Joe. Like, first off, first off, let's make this perfectly clear. You can like Black Panther. You could be excited about Black Panther. You could think that Black Panther is going to be the best thing since sliced bread. But you can slice Black Panther without trying to sun all the other black superhero movies that came before it. Especially Blank Man, Joe. Blank Man, hey man, I can't tell you. I remember how excited I was to see Blank Man, man. Shout out to Damon Wayne's David Allen Greer. That's part of my childhood, baby. I love that movie. I still, I got the DVD. You understand what I'm saying? Matter of fact, I'm probably going to watch that joint with my daughter this weekend. I love Blank Man. So we could kill that whole, you know, you could, you could give Black Panther compliments without knocking down Blank Man. Because I'm not here for the Blank Man slander. I will not stand for it, baby. You understand? Again, I'm not hating on Black Panther. I'm excited for Black Panther. I'm happy for Black Panther. But Blank Man has got a special place in my heart. So we ain't we gonna chill with that whole disrespect to Blank Man. Shout out to J5, baby. Alright, man. I had to get that off my chest. I'm sorry. Okay? Cause y'all, y'all been doing a lot. Y'all been doing a whole lot. Okay? Y'all, <laughs> y'all wearing, you know, again. Okay? I got no problem with it. But I didn't see some of the people step into the to the Black Panther premiere. They ain't never been out of Baltimore a day in their life. And they got all this, you know, African cloth clothing stuff. Don't even know anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's cool. 
Get in touch with your ancestry, with your history. That's dope. Come on, man. Y'all rocking the face paint. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's cool. Get excited. Be hype. I'm not, you know what? Matter of fact, I take all that back, man. Y'all enjoy the movie how you want to enjoy it. I'm not going to be the fun police, man. Because, again, I'm super excited as well. You know, I'm just saying. We can relax a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Just a little bit. All right, man. That was halftime. I hope y'all enjoyed that, man, because I had fun making that one. Um, took a little bit longer than usual, but I enjoyed that. But, you know, that's the past. We're going to keep our eyes focused on the future. We got two quarters left, and we're going to get things started with something that should scare the living hell out of every single one of you all listening to this podcast. So our third topic this week. Third quarter. Rise of the Machine. Yeah, man. It's about that time again. You know, I I really don't even really have to set it up too much. Um, over the last few weeks, there's been enough things for us to have an emergency meeting in regards to the, the robot revolution that is inevitable. That is right around the corner. Okay. Let's start with the most recent thing. And it, and I know all of y'all have seen this by now. I think it's by Boston Dynamics. I don't know what the hell these bombers are doing. There is a shot. And again, I know you guys have seen it. But for those of you who have not, there's a shot of a robot, right? It's a robot. And it's creepy as hell the way it moves. And it's like got four legs, I guess, if you will. And it's walking. There are no humans in the shot. It's like in some type of... uh warehouse room or something there it's in a room and this robot on four legs that is creepy as it walks with no humans around it and there's no remote control at least that you could see walks up to the door or walks up to a door i should say the door is closed the robot knows that the door is closed and it cannot exit the room so the robot Hollers for his homeboy like cuckoo. And then out of nowhere, another robot, creepy as hell, walking on four legs, but this mama got like a black arm on top of it. Walks up to the door. The first robot backs off, right? As again, he hollered at his homeboy to come. The homeboy comes, opens the mother door. Slim, hear me when I say this. There are no humans. The robot with this black arm grabs the handle, knows where the handle is, grabs it, knows to turn it, you feel me, turn it down. Think about it. It has the intellect. Like, if you have no concept of a door, how do you know that how to grab it, one, and how to turn? It doesn't, it, it, and it doesn't take attempt after attempt. It does it one shot, one kill. Walks up to the door, grabs the handle, turns the damn handle downward, pulls the door out, and lets his homeboy go through the door first. And then it follows him together. I mean, I don't know what else to say. You feel me? I do not know what else to say. I've tried it to, and you know what? The, the only thing that has come from this to comfort me, even in the slightest, is the fact that it seems to bother other people. I thought I was on an island. You know, when I first started doing this segment, 
thought Batman was like, oh man, he's just wilding right now. But apparently everybody else feels the same way. This shit is crazy. You know what I'm saying? That's really all you can say. I would love to just sit with the people who came up with the idea to do this. Because I really just have one question. What the f*** is wrong with y'all, man? I mean, that's it. That's the question. And the beauty of this question is that there's no answer. There's nothing that these mamas can tell me to be like, oh, okay, I understand. No. No. You feel me? Like, again, I understand technology, right, as a tool. You feel me? That's not to say that it still wouldn't end up where we're inevitably going to end, right, as slaves to the machines. But at least I can understand what they say, the, the pathway to hell is laid with good intentions, something along those lines, right? You know, that's a, a saying, and I probably butchered it. But you feel me, right? Like, let's say that these people were, were building a prototype to, like, help people physically, you know, uh, disabled or for elderly people, right? I would get it. I'm like, okay, your heart is in the right place. You know, again, this still ends with us being, you know, having machines as our masters, right? But again, I get the idea as to why you would do this. You're trying to be helpful. These Bamas, I don't know what they, I don't know. They're not trying to think of some little poor old lady. These Bamas are just in a rush to end the world. That's it. That's it. I swear to you, man. I feel like Linda Hamilton, Terminator 2, baby. You understand? When she, she went to the black dude's home, the black Bama was in the house with his wife and his kids, and Linda Hamilton was like, nah, somebody got to end this Bama. I'm not saying I'm not promoting violence, but I'm saying these Bama's like, I don't, I just want to talk to them just to hear what they got to say, bro, because this is inexcusable. And that. This is coming on the heels of this mother, this Bama Elon Musk, Joe. I swear, I don't know what, <laughs> bullying is real. I don't know what the hell y'all did to this Bama when he was a kid. Y'all really, y'all really messed him up. I mean, y'all must have gave him the wedgies, the joint where you, where you dunk the dude's head in the toilet and flush it. I don't even remember what that was called. I didn't even know Bama's really did that, but y'all must have did that to him. Cause his ass is crazy, for real. Initially, I thought Elon Musk was on some fake-ass Tony Stark tip, right? And he just wants to be like Iron Man or something. But nah, bro. I misread him 100%. This Bama's not Iron Man. His ass is straight-up Lex Luthor. This Bama is crazy. So like a few weeks ago, I, I, it was either last week or two weeks ago, <laughs> this guy... He shot up his car in the outer space. You understand? And, you know, I don't even, I mean, like, that's really, in essence, what he did. He wants it to get to Mars. There's no way on Earth. What he, that's not even, that speech, we can't even use that figure of speech. There's no way that his little Tesla car can make it to Mars. You know what I'm saying? Like, the meteor showers. Oh, come on. But he shot his car and... For those of you who, do, who are not familiar with Elon Musk, he is, you know, a lot of things. But I think he's probably most known, at least as right as of now, besides being like this super villain. 
he is most known for being like the the owner the creator of tesla the, the cars you know the cars they're nice looking cars they look like fake maseratis but you know they're nice cars they're super expensive so think about this but I'm, and i'm not y'all know me man i don't tell other people how to spend their money but he's got enough bread to shoot his expensive ass car in the outer space i don't even i don't even know I don't even I don't even know where this idea comes from. He shoots his car into outer space with hopes that the car can reach Mars and take pictures so we can like what is he going to do with this? And like this whole thing is really strange. It's really frightening on a lot of different levels. He has NASA giving him a lot of this obviously supplies and equipment that he needs. Like he he builds a lot of it. But obviously, he's got a brainstorm with NASA to get a car into outer space, okay? Now, I'm sure he writes NASA these huge checks, clearly, if he's sending his expensive-ass car into space on a mission to just be destroyed in a matter of seconds, okay? But whatever. But the, here's the crazy thing, man. And, and he streamed the whole footage online. So, you know, obviously, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you could be like it was a production and it didn't happen. And, you know, I'm not even going to argue with you. Whatever. I don't I don't whatever. I don't know. You know, I'm not a, I'm not really a big conspiracy theorist. So I believe that, you know, he shot his dumbass car in space. But the crazy thing about it, but I mean, the crazy thing, there are a lot of crazy things about it. The thing that stood out to me and I talked to a few people who were watching this is the landing, not of the car, but like of the, the, the launching gear or whatever. He somehow got it to where both of the launchers landed on the launching pad back at the same time. When you watch other, like when, when you watch our, our, our space program launch rockets and uh, spaceships into the atmosphere, the landing is all wild. And, you know, you don't really think much of it because the end goal is to make sure that the, the spacecraft and if there are humans aboard, make it safely. Right. We're all focused on, OK. You right, the launch was a success. This Bama Elon Musk got the joint to where the, the launching pad, the, the launchers or whatever, come back down simultaneously on the launching pad. And I'm thinking to myself, I ain't never seen nothing like that. How did this Bama do that? What the what does this guy have, Joe? He's doing stuff better than NASA. And he's doing it for fun for a publicity stunt. Bro. This all happened in a matter of like 17 days or so. What the hell, baby? We got robots rocking on all fours, opening doors, calling their homeboys. Just like, again, hey, my man, open this door for me. All right, bet. Bloop. There's no human there. How you stop that, Joe? Look, man, I'm confident. I'm a confident guy. Some people probably think I may be too confident. I'm confident in my hands. There could be three guys walking up on me, and I'm not trying to speak this into existence. You know what I'm saying? Fighting days are over. I don't like to scrap like that. But if I had to, three dudes could walk up on me, and I'm confident I could take two of them. You feel me? I'm not saying I'm going to walk out that joint Jackie Chan. I know I'm going to take my L. But if I if I had to, I could protect myself with three dudes trying to attack me. And obviously, if they know weapons, right? I'm confident in that. If, if two dog-like robots walked up on you what you gonna do they no fighting that bro 
What you gonna do? You gonna punch a robot? This motherfucker got an arm on his back. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't know what it's for. Can somebody find this out? I said there's gotta be an arm. There's gotta be something. There has I hope they're not just creating <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Sentinels just for the fun of it. Even the Batmans and X-Men. They they created Sentinels for a reason. And then they just lost control of them. I don't know if there's a reason for the dog-like robots with the, the arm that can open doors on his back. Like, I don't know why we're doing that. I don't know why Elon Musk has the technology that apparently NASA doesn't have. And I don't know why he's launching his expensive-ass car into outer space with the idea that it could get to Mars. Come on, baby. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? You understand? I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in the world. And a, and a lot of things are going on right now. It's really tragic. It's really awful. And, you know, it, it makes us all feel awful as humans if you have even a bit of decency. But even with that being said, like, wh what is the big picture with, the, with, like, what's going on right now? Because there's too many things like this happening on top of just the... The, the, the awful things that happen in regular day life. It's like another level of stuff that we can't even comprehend that's going on. Oh man, I don't I don't know where the next 25 years when it comes to technology is happening. We could we can play music on a phone. We all walking around with a computer in our pockets. You understand? Just imagine what the next 25 years has in store as it pertains to technology. That joint is scary as hell, Joe. <sighs> Maybe I'm tripping, but the bunker is ready. Feel me? The bunker is set. I'm trying to let y'all know. Get yourself together. Get your loved ones right. Because when it's time to go down, the people I need to be protected are protected. I'm trying to let make sure you know. Don't be coming at me. Oh, my Joe. Oh, my need a nah, buddy. Cause when it goes down, if you not, if you not on the list, you the, you the enemy. You understand what I'm saying? If you not on the list, you the enemy. Ain't gonna be no crazy joint like you know the Walking Dead or Batman trying to run up in your whole fortress and steal all your supplies and stuff. Nah, baby, nah, Joe. You better make sure your situation is right right now. That's my warning shot. Oh, Batman is crazy. Elon Musk is an evil villain. And we got robots that can open doors just just because without the help, without without even the slightest help from a human being. Good God almighty. All right, man. Again, I hope y'all ready. I hope y'all ready. That's the third quarter. Again, if you feel if you feel strongly about this, let me know. If you think I'm crazy, let me know that too. You can get in contact with me and the show with the in a variety of ways. You can email us at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's quarterly spelled Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. -E -E, report at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at quarterly show. That's Twitter at quarterly show. You can always tweet at, tweet at us. And follow the show on iTunes. Make sure you guys subscribe to the show. Uh, all you have to do is go to iTunes or in the podcast app. If you have uh, on your tablet or phone, 
Search quarterly report. Again, that's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E report. You'll see the icon with my face on a coin. Click on that, subscribe. And while you're at it, give me some five-star reviews, baby. Tell your friends, tell your families to check out the show as well, man. I appreciate all you listeners. The show, is again, is growing. And I really appreciate all the work, all the time that you guys give me each and every week. All right, guys. So that's three quarters down. We got one quarter left, and it's a special quarter. As my lovely, talented, beautiful sister, Dewana, will be joining me to talk about a show that I honestly don't understand why it's popular. The fourth quarter is about television and the hit show, This Is Us. Let's get it going. Fourth quarter. She is my best friend, my confidant, man, my role model. She's been my biggest supporter my whole life. Ladies and gentlemen, my little older sister, Dewana. Dewana, thank you so much for joining me this week on The Quarterly Report. Hi, everyone. You guys, if you listen to the show at any length, you know how much I talk about my sister, how important she is to me. So, you know, we're going to get to the topic. We're not going to talk about our relationship and our conversations because I don't think you guys want to hear about that type of stuff. We're going to get to some hard-hitting questions. You know, I did this after the NBA season finished last year. And, you know, I watched so much basketball, my viewing habits changed. So I was asking people, yo, like, what television shows should I start watching, yada, yada, yada. I don't watch nearly as much football as I do basketball, but, you know, viewing habits change now. So after the Super Bowl, I was like, okay, bet. I need to start checking in on some of these shows that I see you guys talk about all the time. And the number one show that I hear about that I need to watch is This Is Us. My sister... Is the first person to talk to me about the show, so who better to ask than her? So, Dewana, you don't watch nearly as much television as I do. So I guess my first question is, what what made you want to start investing into the into this show? What made you interested in This Is Us? So I feel like This Is Us, I mean, is a very real show. Um, you know, life is full of both happy moments and also sad moments. Um, and the storyline in the in this show really speaks to me. I mean, as someone who kind of lost their parents at a pretty early age and how that moment, those moments really define the person that I am today. And I think it's also one of the reasons I also really love it is because of the relationship between um, Sterling K. Brown and Susan Kalichi Watson to be able to see like a black couple on screen. Um, and I can really, I see myself in them. I see myself and my partner in them. Um, I've learned how to communicate better, I think, from watching that show. Um, I mean, I started watching it because I kind of heard some of the hype um, around what was happening and what was going on. And it really caught me. I think the first season, every episode really grabbed me, really grabbed me emotionally. Um, and it continues to do so, really continues to kind of push the envelope. It definitely continues to pull at your heartstrings and your emotions, which is difficult at times. Um, but I think it's also a very true representation of what life is. And I don't think you find that too much on television these days. All right, man, that's all fine and good, man. But I don't know what's wrong with y'all. Look, I remember the very first time I noticed how popular the show was. It was trending in D.C. And, you know, like sometimes... When something is trending really popular, like something is super popular on Twitter, and they'll have a little icon or emoji by it, like Black Panther. It's like a little a little face, a little black face, you know what I'm saying? Uh, NBA Finals is the trophy. I look at This Is Us, and it's a, I kid you not, it's a box of tissues. 
You feel me? I'm like, man, what's wrong with everybody? Like it so do y'all like to cry? Do you like the punishment? The emotional punishment? I don't understand. Man, I remember we watched the first time, the only time really I watched the show. I'm over you in uh Kevin's spot. And I kid you not, in 25 minutes, there's an episode where the the one son, the, the white son, he's at his high school reunion or something. He relives his leg being crushed on the football field, which changed his life, right? He relapses into, I guess, some drug stupor. He sleeps with a youngin who went to high school with him for the sole fact that she's a nurse so he could take her prescription, you know what I'm saying, pad, and write his prescription for him. He loses his d dead father's keepsake, right, trying to get his fix at a drugstore. And then to top it off, his sister has a miscarriage. Those five things happened in 25 minutes of this show. And at that moment, I was like, hell no, Joe. I ain't messing with it. I don't know what is wrong with y'all. So do I want to cry? No. I mean, I don't think I really watch the show because I want to cry, even though I can say it actually is very cathartic. Um, like, the, I don't know if we're going to talk about the last episode. And no, I'm not. That's <laughs> <laughs> But I will say, I think crying is very cathartic. Um, and no, I don't. I don't want to cry. I don't watch it because I want to cry. But I do. But crying is a part of life, right? I mean, like I was saying earlier, I think you have to represent both the sad moments of life, the happy moments of life, but also the sad moments of life. That's just the reality of life. Um, and you know, I think sometimes. I feel better sometimes after a good cry. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with crying, which I think is also, I think, a really central part of the show as well, where I do feel like, you know, we we often operate, and I think you've spoken about this before on the show, in terms of emotions and the way we express emotions, and especially the way men express emotions. I'd say another thing I really love about the show is that men freely express emotions on the show. And you do not see that often. I think, especially in the case of, again, the amazing Sterling K. Brown, to see a black man express emotions on the show so freely. Um, I think one of the things that it does is, you know, that's a signal to other folks who are watching that it is okay to cry, it's okay to be sad, it's okay to go through periods of anxiety, it's okay to be depressed, it is okay to be down, right? And because we're dealing with that in a very healthy way, then we can get better. But oftentimes, right, something sad happens, we ignore it, we walk away, we don't want to deal with it. It doesn't mean that the problem goes away. Um, it just means that it hasn't been addressed yet. And so I say watching something so real, that does stir something in me. I think I also sometimes, I say definitely after the last show, after the period of sadness, um, I think on the other end, I came out of it um, feeling better. And also, I think kind of wondering whether or not there was still some issues that I had to address, some underlying issues that I haven't addressed yet in my life. Yeah, that's a hard pass for me. The stuff that in my life that I'm running away from emotionally, I don't ever, ever, ever want to see it again. I'm trying to be Usain Bolt to the bombers, man. So, you know, God bless y'all. Y'all better than me. But hell no. Hard pass from your boy. All right, guys, once again, I'm joined by my sister, the smartest person I know, best person I know, man. This is a glimpse of our conversation. Um, so we talked about, um, you know, This Is Us. But another thing that people are excited to watch 
is the Black Panther movie. And I I touched on this a bit at halftime, but I, I want to hear your take on this. You know, I understand people are excited about the movie, and I had no problem with that, man. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. I get it. But, like, your excitement doesn't mean that you got to knock movies that came before it. You know me. You know how much I love Blank Man. I, I'm feeling some type of way listening to people act like, you know, Black Panther is like the first black superhero movie of all time, and it's not. Again, I understand it's different. I understand it's different. But, like, we got, you know what I'm saying? Like, we got to show some respect to the to the movies that happened before, you know, 2010, really. You know, do you, you understand where I'm coming from, or do you think this is me being silly and there's much to do about nothing? I feel like, is this a real question? <laughs> we're talking about. Yeah, it's a real question, man. It's Blake Man, baby. Blake Man was one, not a superhero. He was a human being, a regular human being, just like you, dressed up in a, I believe, sheet. Yeah, okay, but that's my thing. I don't know if Black Panther is a superhero. He just got a super dope costume. That's what I'm saying. It's the same thing. Yeah, I don't think it's the same thing. Um, <laughs> I would also say Black Man ran around with kitchen utensils. <laughs> hey, he was an everyman. He was an everyman. He won't know King. And so I think it's a little different. I will say that I think there's, I definitely think there's, you know, there's the hype around Black Panther just as being, from what I understand, because I'm really not into comic books, um, but just from being just, you know, kind of part of the Marvel universe. But I also think that part of the hype is not just around him as a superhero, but around the movie itself, um, just because of the representation of Black people um, and being able to see Black people on screen directed by a Black person um, a movie that, you know, from what I've heard, is unapologetically black. Um, and for black people that I think see a different side of themselves. And so I think the hype is not just around uh, the kind of superhero aspect, but I also think it's around what this big movie, this big motion picture actually represents. Which I would venture to say wasn't necessarily the case for Black Man, a comedy yeah. um, <laughs> that wasn't really attractive. All right. Maybe we have to agree to disagree on Blink, man, because I ain't budging on this, and I know for damn sure you ain't budging on anything. Um, once again, guys, I'm joined by my best friend, my sister, you know what I mean, and uh, give you, giving you all a glimpse into our conversations. Uh, finally, the one I'm going to get you out of here with this last one, um, and, and we're talking about viewing habits, and we started the interview talking about you know watching television, and you don't watch a lot of television. Specifically, you used to watch a lot of NFL football, right? You diehard watched the fan bleed burgundy and gold years ago. But it was almost like a gradual cooling of your interest in the NFL. And this year, I spoke about it in uh, previous episodes. You didn't watch any games outside of the Super Bowl, and you really weren't interested in that. Um, what was it that made you stop watching football? Um, what was the last straw, if you will? And do you foresee yourself ever watching football again, NFL football? Yeah, so I think you're right in the term, in terms of it being kind of like a gradual um, progression. I think there are a number of issues, right? There's certainly issues with the name of Washington's team, which um, kind of causes me to not be able to really root for them 
anymore. Just not just the name, but I think it's just current denial that is even harmful to other people, to Indigenous people, Indigenous communities, and just the you know the how steadfast the owner is on not changing the name and not really even being open to it. I think there's certainly um, a lot of the um, issues around domestic violence um, in the NFL. I also believe that um, the just to, what we're learning now about CTE and the damage that it's done to so many players and just the NFL's just how they just still refuse to recognize that it's even an issue and address it in an appropriate way and take care of the players that have given so much, given their bodies uh, to the sport. But certainly the last straw was um, – I say the, the how the NFL addressed the Colin Kaepernick situation, and so and just and then how that issue just really kind of transformed and blew up in the media, and how I mean you have also talked about this a lot on your show, how we moved away from kind of the central message, right? The central message being that black people are dying at the hands of police for no reason at all, simply because they're black, and we need to do something to address that. And just how that one incident, right, the the protesting of police brutality turned into disrespecting the flag. And I think the more kind of the season went on and the more people weighed in and the more I saw the message just twisted from its original point, the harder it was for me to continue to actually pay attention to the sport, who, again, right, the NFL could have also kind of spoken out and kind of redirected um, also said that, right, this is not about the play. It has nothing to do with the country, the love of your, anyone's love of the country. It really has to do with police killing black people um, and how we just do not respect black bodies in this country. And right. they remain silent, right? Um, and so they kind of let that message just kind of fester. And then still, right, um, Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job. I don't even know if he would want a job at this point, right? But I think just you know, continuing to dismiss him as a player, you know, horrible things said about him as a player. And, that, you know, I would also kind of say just the continued racism in the league. I mean, we saw a lot of that. I, well, I believe that there, a lot of that existed here in Washington as well. So I'd say, you know, I was also very turned off during the period of time where uh, RG3 was a quarterback here um, in D.C., so I'd say all of that, you know, added to just this season, me just saying, you know, enough is enough. And when people called for boycott of the NFL, I felt like it was certainly something that I could do. Um, I was not even watching football, you know, every Sunday like I was in the past um, and really just feeling like, um, you know, that's very simple, not even really a sacrifice. <laughs> Um, was was my way of just kind of distancing myself from a league that is wrought with with issues. <laughs> and that, my friends, is the Black History Month edition of the Quarterly Report, baby. <laughs> and they go, I mean, what, what else you want to say? All right, man, that was super fun. Once again, guys, that's my sister, the smartest person I know, the best person I know, my best friend, Dewana. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this week on the quarterly report. I can't wait to talk to you uh, and see you in probably a few days. Thank you for having me. I've been waiting. You know, everyone has been, Armand has had this show. I think he's 44 episodes in, and this is the first time he's had his sister on. I won't 
comment on that. Chloe has a regular recurring segment, um, but, you know, the person who helped raise him into the man that he is now has been relegated to the 44th episode, but we'll, you know, we'll have that conversation together as a family on our own. But thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome, man. Thanks again to my sister. I really enjoyed that, man. And yeah, man, I had to reconfigure the show. Like, I usually don't have the interview at the end, but Dewana was so strong. I'm like, how am I gonna fin- how am I gonna follow that up with anything else? You understand what I'm saying? It was strong, baby. Yeah, that's my sister highlighting me. You know what I'm saying? We don't play over in the Lee household, baby. You better wake your ass up. All right, man. Thank you to everybody. I really appreciate you guys rocking with me for 44 episodes. I really enjoyed this episode. I had a lot of fun. Hopefully, you guys had a lot of fun listening. If you did, make sure you let me and the world know. All you got to do is go to iTunes, go to the podcast directory, and search the quarterly report. That's quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. You'll see the icon with my face on the coin. Click on that, subscribe, and please leave me a rating and a review. Five stars if you like. But... Let me know. Let the world know what your thoughts are on the show. Tell your friends. Tell your family. I really appreciate all you guys rocking with me. Make sure you email me as well. Next week is stoppage time. So if you guys want to hear your questions or your concerns or your comments read on the podcast, all you got to do is email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Again, that's quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, report at gmail.com. And for day-to-day use, you guys can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Quarterly Show. Again, that's Twitter, Quarterly Show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. You can follow me, talk about all types of sports and entertainment, man. You really enjoy yourself. And I'm going to have a new Wire NBA mix coming up soon. So follow me on Instagram as well, Quarterly Report on Instagram. New Wire NBA mix coming soon. All right, guys, thank you so much for rocking with me. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I appreciate you, and I will check back with y'all next Thursday on the Quarterly Report.